we've begun. We have begun. It has begun. Welcome to Spooktember. <laughs> you know, that would have been creepy if it was an actual organ and not you, like... Making that noise. Making a, yeah, I was trying to describe the noise. I couldn't come up with a good word. I always laugh at that song because I feel like everybody knows that part. Mm-hmm. And then what comes after... I don't know. I don't know. Well, we should look it up. We're librarians. Yeah, I've never claimed to be an expert in classical music, I guess. Same. I always wonder about the people who make those those tunes. Like, did whoever wrote that have any idea that, you know, hundreds of years later, probably people would be like, ooh, that's like the Dracula noise. That's shorthand for scary. (laughs) And they're like, wait, what? First of all, what is a Dracula? We should introduce ourselves and say what we're doing. Okay. (laughs) You know what? I approve. Okay. Uh, Welcome to uh, our show, which is, why did you read that? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Uh, I had to think about it. Yeah, your eyes were like (laughs) moving around a little. (laughs) Well, I don't do the introduction. That's true. You did last time. I know, and it, it was odd. I thought it was one of the better introductions. Well, your standards are low. That is true. Yeah. That is very true. Which is a great introduction to me talking about my books. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Peter. Yes, and I'm Megan. And uh, we both work for High Plains Library, and we get together once a month mm-hmm. to talk about some books that we've read, yep. sometimes on a theme, yep. sometimes just because. And uh, it all kind of started, we used to share an office, Yep. and uh, oftentimes read very different things. Yes, this is true. And both Occasionally of us, the same things. Yeah. And both of us kind of have somewhat offbeat taste or maybe somewhat specific taste. Yeah. I think specific is a good word. Which took us down some unusual roads. Yes. So the question was always like, uh, okay, here's what I read. And the first question usually like, why? Yeah. <laughs> what so, led to that happening? So we kind of get together and talk about the things we've read and a little bit about why we read them. Mm-hmm. In hopes that maybe you'll enjoy them too. Or at the very least, enjoy laughing at us. Yeah. Yeah, you may also leave wondering, I still don't know why you would read that. Why did I listen to that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the companion podcast that someone else can start. Right. That goes over our episodes. It's it's a chain that just keeps on going. That's right. Yeah, and then there'll be a podcast talking about that podcast. And And then millions. Aren't you all looking forward to the future now? (laughs) This is like when you see a preview for a movie that comes out five years from now, and you're like, you know what? I'm not real jazzed about that. That has not made me feel like I need to put on my shades because the future is so bright. Yeah, we're we're not selling this. Yeah. We should do better. <laughs> um, the basic format, we get together, we each pick four books. Yes. But then you pick two of mine that you want to hear about. Yes. I pick two of yours that I want to hear about. Correct. And we talk about those in a little more depth. Yeah, and occasionally some diversions. Yeah. And then um, today, we're going to talk about scary books. That's right. It's because it's scary October. season. Yeah. Fall has officially happened. I'm so happy. I'm, I know you agree with me. We're not summer people in this room. No, we are not. Yeah. No, I have much fall apparel. Same. And sweater uh, weather. Yeah. Give me all the sweater weather. Yep. I'm ready. I'm, uh, soup season. 
Yep. I started make. I made chili last week. Well done. Pushing it a little early. I but, bought myself know. a hot chocolate on the first day of fall. <laughs> just as a symbol. I bought uh, pumpkin spice eggnog yesterday. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was. I felt obligated. I was a little confused because, well, first of all, eggnog, I was like, I think at some point this crept into the fall. Yeah. When really it seems like a, you know, December. It, yeah, it used to be a solely a December thing, I think. But then also the regular eggnog had pictures of pumpkins on it. And then the pumpkin spice eggnog had different pictures of pumpkin. And I was not entirely sure huh. that the other carton didn't have pumpkin spice eggnog. Because I was like, why would putting a pumpkin on it is confusing, right? Well, I would. I don't think that normal eggnog has pumpkin anything in it. Is that true? That's correct. Yeah. So I don't. I guess if you're not doing pumpkin spice, it does not make sense to include pumpkin. No, especially when it's right next to the pumpkin spice. Right. But I took the last pumpkin spice, so now everyone who goes to that oh. particular target now what are they gonna do? I don't know. I would assume it was pumpkin, and then drink it and be like, this really didn't have a powerful pumpkin yeah. flavor. This is not bringing the fall feeling. Anarchy. Yeah. This is really skipping me ahead to December, and <laughs> that's the opposite of what I wanted to do. We need to really enjoy October. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a joke? We usually start oh, with yeah, a joke. Oh, yeah, I do have a joke. Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. Um, all right, here here we go. What concert only cost 40, 45 cents to attend? I have no idea. 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. Oh, I like that one. Thank you. That's one of my favorites so far. Excellent. I'm so pleased. Also, my mind just immediately goes to imagining that actual lineup. It would be and confusing. It would be a bizarre crowd. <laughs> Who's Like the people who show up for 50 Cent and stay for Nickelback. Or the people who are like, I'm really here for Nickelback, but I guess... Yeah. I guess I'll see what 50 Cent has to offer. Yeah. Or vice versa. I don't know. Who Who do you think would... I guess Nickelback probably would be the headliner at this point. Do you think? Yeah. I don't know if 50 Cent has been as uh, musically prolific as I Nickelback. I suppose that's true. But I do feel like he has generally more positive feelings. Yes. Well, I think the, these are probably related. <laughs> I think maybe he got in and he made, what was his, The Massacre, Get Rich or Die Trying. Yes, yeah. A couple more, and then he got out. But I could be wrong. There could be 50 Cent albums out there that I'd... I was there on the Get Rich or Die Trying train and The Massacre, and then after that I was out. Well, see, I, I as we have discussed before, I am not into popular music. I am a fan of 50 Cent for his appearance in a little movie called Spy with Melissa McCarthy. What does he do in that movie? He plays himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, he's playing at an event where they are doing spy things, and he ends up getting kidnapped by a non-spy. <laughs> and it's pretty funny. I enjoyed his acting in a movie called The Escape Plan. Mm -hmm. Where he plays the, uh, you know how there's always like the tech nerd in the van? Yes. Who's like computer hacking things? Did he play that person? Yes, he did. That's brilliant. I love it. And he played that person for Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone has really uh, redefined the term ragtag group. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, 
the Expendables. Yeah. And then I can't even remember who who else was there but 50 Cent, but I just remember thinking, like, I really, I I don't, but I do want to see the Escape Plan prequel where all these people meet. <laughs> how, did, how did they find each other? How did they find each other? Yeah. How did they all decide to work together? Like, this is, I want to watch Sylvester Stallone sort of courting 50 Cent to be his tech guy. Yeah. But also I don't because I know that movie would just be awful. I don't know. You Sometimes you hear about movies and you're like, that's going to be terrible. And then it's amazing. Like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I heard about that and I was like, no way that's going to work. Should not work. But then it was but funny. But it does. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. All I right. Think... I believe that you started last time. That's what I believe as well. All right. So you want me to tell you about my four picks? Yes. All right. I'm going to write them down. Okay. So I can remember this time. Are you prepared with your pen and, and, and paper? My pen is clicked. Excellent. And ready. My first book is called Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw. And it is a novella that takes place at an abandoned Japanese manor that is reputedly haunted. And I don't want to go too far into detail, but... All righty. All right. Kind of a... Twist on the haunted house sort of thing? Yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, The Grudge or The Ring, Mm. um, but also haunted house and also maybe a little, I don't know, a little not haunted house, a little like interpersonal, like bad decisions. Let's let's just say bad decisions. Staple of horror. Oh, yeah. You don't have horror without bad decisions. (laughs) Uh, My second book is called The Death of Jane Lawrence by Caitlin Starling. This is a historical horror that's set in like an alternate Great Britain kind of World War I era. And it is about a marriage of convenience that ends up, there's, again, haunted house. I'm a sucker for a haunted house. And uh, yeah. And there's also some some creepy, like maybe some cosmic stuff. It's, mm. you know, lots of atmosphere in that one. I like when it gets cosmic. Yeah, me too. <laughs> some kind of a... I don't like when my uh, superhero movies necessarily end with like a weird portal with tentacles coming out, but I do like when my horror movie goes that direction. Excellent. We are of a a mind. (laughs) My third one has maybe the best title. It's Basketful of Heads by Joe Hill, which is a graphic novel. Uh, For people who don't know, Joe Hill is famously uh, Stephen King's son. Uh, so he comes by it naturally. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying on the family business. That's right. And uh, you get what you you get what you're advertised with that one. You get a basketful of heads. All right. And finally, I have a collection of short stories titled "In That Endlessness, Our End" by Gemma Files. And these are, I found them. I I find them to be genuinely unsettling and creepy and insidious short Mm. stories okay um dang this is always the worst part i know i didn't give you any weak ones again no i know yeah you need to give me some like what's the opposite of a ringer a dud a garbage yeah a dud yes no i refuse you're a garbage time player that you're just (laughs) like i don't know throw them in we got two minutes left we're up by 17 we're fine yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I'm just too good for that. I have too much integrity. <laughs> um, 
I want to hear about in that endless in that endlessness our end. In that endlessness our end. Yeah, by Gemma Files. Yeah. Excellent. Let's start there. Okay. So it's a book of obviously horror short stories and I talk a lot about how I don't read a lot of short stories and yet here we are. <laughs> um, I read a great review of it and it made me interested and I'm really glad that I went and looked at it. So it was indie published by a press called Grimscribe. I know nothing about them. But I will say that it's the result of it being indie published is that it has a not inspiring cover. Mm. So I mentioned that to say, like, if you if you seek it out and you're like, ugh, that cover, continue anyway. <laughs> the insides are great. So the stories are kind of eerie, I think is a good word to describe them. Um, they're upsetting and they can be a little violent, but not that kind of gross out torturey violence. Like no one's getting slowly having their limbs sawed off or anything like that. Um, and there's like a matter of factness to the things that happen that makes it a little bit more like unsettling, mm. you know, a little mm -hmm. bit more horrific. Uh, so I just wrote down notes for the first three stories because I don't really know how to talk about short stories without just ruining everything. It is tough. Yeah. Because there's not as much there to be like, let me give you the setup. Right. And then you've got an entire book to enjoy after. Exactly. So I'm going to give a basic rundown on what the stories are kind of about. And I figured I'd do the first three. And then hopefully they're, they're different enough that I think hopefully it gives you enough that you're interested in continuing on. All and right. I, I think you will be. I think you specifically will be. <laughs> <laughs> you will be. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first story in the in the book is called This Is How It Goes, and it's about this weird apocalyptic event that they call the split. And as you learn more about the split, you realize that – so there's a video that was taken in Australia. This is how happening across the world. But the first time anyone knew about the split, there's a video of it uh, in Australia. And there's a guy standing there, and then all of a sudden, like, a hand comes out of his, like, abdomen – and a duplicate of him is clawing its way out of his own body. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also great, but... Right, exactly. <laughs> so um, people around the world have a all have doppelgangers, and the doppelgangers claw their way out of their body, somehow not killing them in the process. I'm not sure how that's the case, but it's horror. Just go with it. So then the dupes crawl out, and you have the original and the dupe, and they are hit, like, the minute they see each other, they're consumed by blind rage, and they attack each other until one or the other is dead. All right. Right? Yep. And so the winner then, like, snaps back to awareness, has all of the same memories, whether it's the dupe or the original. So as far as they're concerned, they're the same person. The only way to be sure if you're the original or the dupe is if you have some kind of identifying marker, like a tattoo, that you can say, like, the original had the tattoo, but the uh, dupe okay. did not. Scar, tattoo, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, something that might have happened after, like, the, the building blocks of you as a person were made. Okay. Right? Yep. So the, the narrator of this book um, is talking about this. She has this kind of resignation to this is how the world is now. It's destroyed human society. There are roving bands of scavengers, some of whom... so. One of the gross things, they've started treating these extra people who keep getting killed, these dupes or originals, as like a food source, free protein. Mm. So, when you say they are, so like... The people who have survived, so... Okay. 
because there are there's a there are like people who who split in the womb. Ugh. Yeah, and they're <laughs> they can't survive that. So there there are people who both the dupe and the original die. Okay. So there are lots of like there are lots fewer people on Earth. There gotcha. were a lot more because everyone duped, and then there were a lot was fewer a briefly, because a lot of people died. Brief period where there were a lot of people. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And now there are a lot fewer. <laughs> so um, some people go around and they like break into old apartment buildings looking for canned food, and some are roving bands of cannibals. <laughs> Basically. Okay. So I don't want to get too you know two in the weeds of the story. I want to leave something to enjoy, but that's the general idea of the first story. Pretty good stuff. I like it. Yeah. The second story is called Bulb, like light bulb. And it's written in the form of a podcast transcript, just to get a little meta for you. And the show that it's on, that it was, um, the interview was made for discusses living off the grid. So like, you know, preppers and doomsday, all that stuff. And, the interview is with a woman who has cut all electricity from her life. So she doesn't use solar panels, generators, batteries, no electricity at all. So they invited her on to talk about why. And she tells a story about how she was like in the Canadian version of Wall Street, basically. She's a stockbroker. She buys a new condo that's very near their version of Wall Street and she bought it specifically because of this like beautiful light fixture that was kind of in the hall. Okay. Then the other the previous owner moves out, she moves in and the light fixture is gone. There are just a couple of like holes in the ceiling. And she's like, "Well, that sucks. I bought it because of this light fixture." <laughs> <laughs> so she calls an electrician and uh, gets new track lighting and she's like, "I'll just put something else up." And uh the electrician says there, there's no wiring here. There's no switch where she remembers there being a switch. Um, he can't get any light bulbs to work. He can't hook up any wires. He has no idea how there was a light fixture there, right? So he leaves. She's dating this new guy, and he happens to be an engineer, and he's like, I can fix this problem for you. <laughs> so he comes <laughs> over with, like, a bandolier of, like, bulbs, basically. <laughs> Like, here I am, I'm going to solve your problem. And through experimentation, they discover that there's this one, like, really dim room. It doesn't have any outlets or anything, so you can't put a lamp there. It's very, very cold. And as he gets closer to it and lifts up this bulb, it can light up a bulb without anything, just like holding it in his hand. Weird. And it even attracts it to the wall. Like, the bulb can stick to the wall, and then they can't pull it back off. Weird. Yep. <laughs> and then... Eventually, these cracks appear in the wall and some tendrily things, like, roll out. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, and you get some some gross body horror stuff. And um, without getting into it, because that's the payoff, basically, what happens in, in that in that room, in that condo, is why she, she was like, no more electricity for me. Done Going with that. 100% off the grid. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good one. And then the third one I'm going to talk about out of the three, I think, is my favorite. Okay. It's called Puppet Motel. Okay. <laughs> which, I mean, sends a chill. <laughs> no one likes a puppet. No. No, they're out there with, like, your clowns. Clowns. As your, yeah, and your ventriloquist dummies Yeah, and all those that. weird porcelain dolls. Oh, man. Yeah. Long ago, you probably remember this, we 
took out of our collection some like collectors guides yep. for porcelain dolls because do you know they were this. in bad shape and weren't being used. Yeah, old. And I scanned a bunch of the pictures and I made a sort of spoof YouTube video. Yep. That was about how my grandfather had operated a doll factory in the woods. And, you know, these are the last known pictures of it. Because there were also these weird pictures. So of weird a, a and doll. very creepy. Yeah, it was like a doll maker. And so it was like an assembly line. And it was <laughs> all the people working there were these, you know, mustachioed turn of the century guys who had that like hollow, vacant, frightened look in their eyes, you know, right. as they're making dolls. And it was just and then the way the dolls were posed yeah was the bizarre. dolls themselves were terrifying there was one that was like there was a coffin yes there was one that was clearly coming out of a coffin like the doll was posed so it was springing out of a coffin yeah there was another one that was standing next to a cradle that had what was clearly a pentagram yeah painted on it which it was just weird there was one that was sitting next to a bunch of like detached doll parts yes like and it, it looked like it was crying. Like, yes. Yeah, it was. And I don't it, this know. was not meant to be like a creepy satirical <laughs> no, doll book. No. This was like images from catalogs and stuff, and yeah. then images of these dolls so you could identify the types and all that. Yeah. It, it was Very so weird. <laughs> I mean, it, it almost made me believe in time travel because I was like, if I could time travel, this is the book I would make. Yes. And then put it in so people would be like, what is going on? If you had told me that you'd made that and put it in our collection, I would have believed it. So anyway, big fan of the haunted dolls. <laughs> All right. So this isn't exactly a haunted doll thing. Um, it's an Airbnb thing. Oh, sure. <laughs> so the the main character is a woman who um, she's in college and she needs a place to stay and a job for the summer. So she moves in with her boyfriend and gets a job managing Airbnb properties until school starts back up. And one of these properties specifically makes her feel very strange. She doesn't like being there, um, doesn't like it at all. Uh, so the way the building is made, all of the windows face an indoor courtyard. So it's very dim. The bathroom is like all black tiles, black marble, black porcelain. So just to make it extra dark and creepy, mm -hmm. <laughs> like they made decisions specifically for that. Um, and when she's there, there's this tone. Have you ever been in like a really, really quiet room and then you start to hear a buzzing? Yes. It's yeah. kind of like that. Okay. So she hears and like this. You could just barely hear it. Exactly. Like, yeah. And But it's very, like the more you notice it, the more you can't not right. notice it. Yes. Yeah. So that's what happens to her while she's there. And then she starts to lose time. Like she'll be vacuuming and then she'll come to and it's almost sundown and she's staring at a wall, <laughs> right? Because that's not terrifying. Yep. <laughs> so she doesn't like this, um, this particular property and she sets alarms on her phone, you know, so that she will be sure to get out of there as quickly as possible. And then her boyfriend kicks her out. So she contacts her boss and he says, hey, that one apartment is open and you can stay there and she doesn't really have any other op options mm. so she's like okay i'll stay there and there are some truly creepy scenes like she's dead asleep and all of a sudden her siri on her phone start says like i'm sorry could you repeat that and wakes her out of a dead sleep and which is creepy enough and yeah. then it starts having a conversation with something that you can't no, hear no 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 yeah and i'm like i, I had no pride out 
Uh, that okay. There's the movie Event Horizon. Have yeah, you seen I've this seen movie? it. There's one of my favorite parts in any movie is these people. So the Event Horizon was a spaceship. It like traveled through interdimensional whatever, mm-hmm. and, and came bad back. things happened. Bad things happened. And so this crew of, like, scavengers or whatever is on the event horizon trying to figure out what happened. And someone keys up this video, and it's like, you know, this guy tearing his own eyes out and whatever. And Lawrence Fishburne is in charge of the uh, crew who's on board now. And he just switches it off, and he's like, we're leaving. (laughs) And I was like, best part of any horror movie. Thank you for being rational. (laughs) Yeah. Of course that doesn't succeed. But that's right. exactly how I feel about this is I'm like, everyone, you need to be the Lawrence Fishburne yeah. and be like, we're leaving. Well, and she is. She gets up. She puts on, you know, some yep. clothes and is like, I'm just going to, you know, ride public transportation for the rest of yep. the night. Anything's better than this. Yes. <laughs> um, and so that's as far as I want to go into the story. But um, I found it just really so creepy, very terrifying, because that's the kind of thing I find scary. Because mm-hmm. I think we've all had something like, you know, your Siri thinks that you said Siri and it starts talking and it's just like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, so the, this is this feels like things that could happen. And um, I like it. I find that extra terrifying. Yeah. Well, and then stuff like that. The next time, you know, some weird piece of technology does something yeah. weird, it's like, Oh, yeah. Remember that horrible story? Right. Exactly. It sticks with you, even if you'd prefer it didn't. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, if I were like, hey, Peter, I was at my house the other night and my Siri started talking to something that wasn't there. You'd be like, oh, that's creepy. But, you know, it's just a a bug. Right. Right. But you're like, no, (laughs) it was it was a demon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Excellent. Yeah. So that was In That Endless, Our End. In That Endlessness. Endlessness. Yes. Our End by Gemma Files. Gemma Files. Excellent. And there are plenty more stories where that one came from, where those three came from, I should say. How long are these stories? They vary. Some of them are about five to eight pages. Um, The Puppet Puppet Motel one that I really particularly liked was, I think, about 20 pages. Okay. So they vary. Good range, though. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So I guess I'll tell you about my books. Please do. You can pick one. Yes. My first book is called Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. Okay. This is kind of, to me, an under-the-radar Halloween classic. Um, It's sort of about an urban legend in a kind of a rural place about this guy called the October Boy. Okay. Um, The next one is a book called Paperbacks from Hell by Grady Hendrix. I am familiar with this book. So it's kind of a nonfiction cataloging of uh, super weird, pulpy, paperback horror, probably mostly from the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out there was quite a little industry of just some of the strangest things, yeah. you know? Um, well, and fun fact, that book actually got some of those books reprinted. Yes. Yeah. They started an imprint of paperbacks from hell. Yep. I also have noticed over the years that some of them have come back in like electronic format. Right. Because they were, after I read Paperbacks from Hell, I was inspired to seek out some of these (laughs) titles. (laughs) And some of them were like outrageously expensive. Mm. Um, And I think it's mostly because they'd been out of print for a few decades. Very limited supply. Yeah. And, you know, they probably didn't print a ton of them. Yeah. 
Um, well, and those things aren't built to last. No, no. And so, uh, you know, sometimes just a little tip for books consumers, I guess, is like if you get online and you see something and it's on eBay or Amazon or something and it's like $700 yeah. for a fiction novel paperback, that's just somebody seeing what they can get for it. Yeah. And uh, don't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean it's a collectible that's going to set you up no. for retirement. Nope. Um, what they sell it for, if they sell it to you for $700, you are probably not going to flip it for 900 No. Uh, the next one is a book called The Book of Extraordinary Deaths by Cecilia Ruiz. Um, it's just basically an illustrated book of, like, unusual ways people have died. Okay. Some of them just odd uh, coincidence, and some of them the people have some more agency, and you're like, why? Why would you do this? <laughs> more Darwin Award territory? Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> And then the last one I was going to talk about is a book called Bad Man by Dathan Auerbach. Um, this is a sort of a creepy story of an older brother who lost his younger brother. Okay. And is kind of searching for him. Okay. Hmm. Well, I will say I have Bad Man on my to-read list, so I'm tempted by that one, but also... I don't want to spoil it. Um, let's start with Dark Harvest because I have never heard of it, and I'm always intrigued by you know seasonal classics that I've never even heard of. I'm glad you picked that one because I think uh, when people think of like classic Halloween, I think a lot of people go to like the Halloween Tree, Ray Bradbury, right? And uh, this is one that I read a couple years ago for the first time, and just. I thought it was pretty great, and I'm sort of surprised that it's not better known. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit, I don't know. I don't know why it's not so popular. I think it's a little bit of a rough start. Like, mm -hmm. it takes a minute to get going, and um, the writing is not, like, flowery and spectacular. You know, it's not like a... It gets it, the job done. It gets the job done, yeah. It gets you where you need to go, yeah. but there's not a lot of, like... If you're the kind of person who underlines good good lines in a book or something, <laughs> you could probably put your pen away. <laughs> um, the basic of the story is that every year in this town, there's some there's this creature called the October Boy. And what the October Boy does is basically go on a rampage in the town, and the people of the town try to stop him. Um, so what kind of a rampage are we talking about? Like a Michael Myers-esque. Oh, so like you know, a stabbing rampage. Yeah. All right. A stabby, killy rampage. All right. Um, but when then we kind of discover pretty early on that the October boy is not just... Um, there's something more sinister going on with this. And it's not that the October boy is uh, just this like unthinking monster who's killing people for no reason. Okay. So it ta it's it's a little bit of a trope that I'm tired of, which is the, like, who's the real monster here? Uh -huh. But it's not quite that heavy-handed and not quite that bad. Um, it's got, like, a really good fall feeling to it, mm -hmm. you know, in the atmosphere and stuff. Like, when you're watching the original Halloween and they're walking down the street, it just feels like fall. Yeah. Um, it really has that feeling to it, which I appreciate a yeah. lot. 
I think there are surprisingly few like Halloween centric books like this. Yeah. You know, I don't know why. A lot of times a book will have a sequence that happens in Halloween or something, but it's not like firmly about Halloween. And this is firmly about Halloween. Yeah. You know, I never thought about that, but I think you're right. There's a lot of horror and stuff you read around Halloween, but not so much about Halloween. Exactly. Huh. And so it's kind of nice, too, because this seems to exist in a world that looks like ours. Like when you read, sometimes when you read horror, it feels like this horror story is happening in a world that's like ours, but there are no horror stories. Because, you know, it's like someone has to explain to everyone what a zombie is. Right. And you're like, well, this is obviously a world where The Walking Dead wasn't the number one TV show for like 10 years. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Where now everyone would be like, I got it. I know what's going on here. Yeah. Um, So this feels a little bit more like it lives in our world, but it also balances. It's not overly referencing like pop culture or something. Okay. Um. I like that it sort of takes place in a, a, it's a rural-ish setting. It feels a lot like where we are, Um, but it's not like a, uh, you know, fear the hillbillies story. Right. Because. The hills have eyes. Yeah, exactly. It's like, eh, okay. Um, (laughs) Dial it down a little. So it's like, it's a little bit of a, a quieter sleeper hit, but it's one I really recommend. It's also pretty short. Okay. Which I think is nice because yeah. you can kind of re- you could read it in probably two or three sittings pretty easily, two or three lunch breaks you could get through the entire thing, so it doesn't overstay its welcome the way some other books do. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it, it just it just gives you what you need. It's not trying to throw a lot of other stuff in. Right. So that's most of what I want to say about it as far as the plot and stuff. It's creepy. And it's weird, and it's a little bit of a different take on, like, a slasher-type villain. Yeah. Um, But it's also also fun. Like, it's something that is scary, but is still a little fun, too. Right. Like, it's an enjoyable... It's like a roller coaster scary. I was going to say that. That kind of safe where you scream and then you laugh. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it's a... You know, it just feels... It feels a lot like a, a horror movie from the 80s. Mm, my favorite like, genre of, of horror, my favorite era for horror. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. And it feels like one of those ones where you're like, this is a little elevated above the one where they filmed, uh, it's better than Pumpkinhead. Where hey, they're just I like, like Pumpkinhead. Eh, but it's better than Pumpkinhead. Wow. You know, you like Pumpkinhead? I do. What do you like about Pumpkinhead? The creature is pretty cool. Yeah, the creature is good. I don't, I don't know. I just think it's fun to watch. Like, I don't. I'm not gonna argue that it's great. Yeah. I'm gonna argue that I like to watch it. Yeah. All right. Well, so maybe for you, it's exactly at the level of Pumpkinhead. Okay. This isn't like life changing literature, but it's like a totally worthwhile entry okay. into the anyone's horror collection. All right. Excellent. All right. I'm in the market for that. Excellent. <laughs> So that's Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. Okay, cool, cool. It could be also, you know, maybe it's not that big because he hasn't written a ton. He hasn't put out a ton, and he I don't know if he ever really had, like, a mega hit. Right. So he's not – it seems like most horror writers have a pretty solid base of different books and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have that so much. Interesting. 
How yeah. did you find it? We had it at the library. I just picked it up. You just found it? Just I found it. it. The cover was creepy. The uh, description was intriguing enough. Yeah. And I was like, well, this will probably take me like two hours. So I'm in. Never discount a good cover. I know. Like you can, there are plenty of great books with bad, with bad covers, but that doesn't mean you should ignore books with great covers. No. Yeah. Yeah. Always give it a shot, right? Yeah. The cover art's good enough to get you to read the description and the description isn't bad enough to turn you away from the book. You're right in the sweet spot. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) All right. That's Dark Harvest. Do you need a reminder? Uh, no. All right. I have nothing but blackened teeth. Yes. That's a uh, sort of a haunted house set in Japan. Yes. Uh, death of Jane Lawrence. I can barely read my own handwriting. <laughs> um, that's also kind of a haunted house thing in the yeah. UK pre-World War I. Yeah, kind of gothic. This is more in the gothic horror tradition. And then Basket Full of Heads by Joe Hill. Yes. Which I'm pretty interested in because he did the comics for Lock and Key. He did. But I think I'm going to go with nothing but black and teeth instead. I am pleased that you said that because I would, coming off of our discussion of great covers, um, this so this book isn't out actually until October 5th. Or no, Whoa. I'm sorry, October 19th. Okay. So plenty of time for you to get it before Halloween, but it's not quite out yet. Um, which is why I had to print out the cover because I want to share this amazing cover with you. Okay. Um, and perhaps you could describe to our listeners what you're seeing. Um, maybe. Okay. Um, imagine that the movie cover tie-in for Memoirs of a Geisha, except the Geisha has no face (laughs) other than a mouth. And the mouth is sort of bloody and appears to almost just be a opening that was cut into the face. Mm -hmm. The teeth are just like little black BBs in the mouth. And uh, also scary in several other ways. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome because it kind of almost looks like a like a classic literary novel. Yeah. If you covered up this face, right? you'd be like, okay. And then you see the face and it's like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, horrifying. Horrifying. Pretty horrifying. Yeah. But in, in, an, in an amazing way. <laughs> a little bit of like maybe a, a Japanese flavor of... Uh, Remember the monster from Pan's Labyrinth that yes. had no eyes? Yes. The best yeah. part for sure. The best monster. The best um, monster. Th- this has a little bit of that flavor. Right. Because there are, again, yeah, no eyes. You can you can keep it. Oh, thanks. That's for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Take it home. Have some nightmares. I printed that. You know what? I'm going to just draw some eyes <laughs> so then it's not so scary. I'm curious if this is going to work. Um. I don't know. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you know. I'm not a very it good artist. Didn't work. Um, not because it made nope, it. I made it worse. I drew like <laughs> clowny eyes around. Ugh. I made it so much worse. I didn't mean to. Well, now you're definitely keeping it. Well this done. um, my partner, we were reading Stephen King's It for a book club. Yeah. And it had this creepy clown on the cover. And so she tried to sort of color over his <laughs> mouth and sharp teeth and stuff. And she decided to draw a watermelon in its place because that was kind of the shape and right. would work. And it what's just, threatening it about it a watermelon? It made it so much worse. 
It was. I don't know why it was worse, but it was way worse. Hmm. Well. Yeah, this isn't good either. This isn't worse, but it's not good. Oh, so I. It's a great cover. Uh, even if you decide not to read it, I encourage you to look at the cover. You just turn it over. You're welcome. For now, go for it. All right. So the story. <laughs> You have a group of five friends who are at an abandoned Japanese manor that is reputed to be haunted. That's the basic of it. So you have Faiza and Nadia, and they are about to get married. Okay. And Nadia is, she has this childhood dream of getting married in a haunted house. (laughs) Because why not? Sure. Because that's a great idea. Um, I guess they, as a group of friends, had done this before they'd gone to abandoned places and like done ghost hunting stuff so this is kind of in their wheelhouse and so this is what she wants for her wedding so that's why they're there then you have philip who's like the golden boy he's tall and athletic and attractive and rich and successful he has a trust fund and he paid for everyone to get to this this you know abandoned creepy place Thank you so much. Yeah, Philip. using his money for good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful use of funds. Uh, then you have Lynn, who is like the sarcastic jokester, the one who's like a, a little mean, a lot funny. Um, you know, you know the you know the one. Yep, I that do. Type, and he's really only there because Cat is there, and Cat is our narrator. She is coming out of some kind of traumatic period of depression. That's really, we don't know exactly what's going on, but we know it has something to do with maybe the friendship between all of them. And it becomes very clear that there's some strain in the relationships between these friends. They've known each other for a really long time, but something has happened and they are not as close as they used to be. We're not sure why. (sighs) So they come to this house and the legend of this house is that a thousand years ago, there was going to be a wedding in this house. And for whatever reason, I don't know if he died on the way or if he just didn't show, but the groom didn't show up. So the bride, to prove that she was devoted, walled herself up into the house and basically buried herself alive to wait for him. Okay. And now it's haunted. (laughs) Sounds like a perfect recipe for a haunting. Well, and who wouldn't want to get married there? Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> With the perfect. history and yeah. <laughs> it's always I imagine since I was a boy, my wedding and Yeah. It a, had a lot to do with a dead woman in the walls. Yeah. A, a bride who walled herself up into the foundations of the house. <laughs> yep. So romantic. Perfect. <laughs> so when they get there, portions of the house are are as you would expect kind of rotting away. Um, you know, Books have been turned into mulch, which have then been turned into like termite mounds and wasps' nests. And, you know, paint is peeling off of everything. And other portions seem remarkably new. So like the tatami mats on the floor seem like they should be in much worse condition than they are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you just kind of take note of it. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) These things happen. And there are screens and murals all through the house that show artwork of Japanese yokai. Yeah. Or you know you know what I'm talking about. So they're basically Japanese spirits. Kitsune are like fox spirits. And Tanuki, which are made famous by Mario, are uh, raccoon dogs. <laughs> like these raccoon Kinda, dog yeah. things. Mischievous raccoon-y dog. Yeah. Jokester. Like tricksters. Yeah. yeah. Trickster spirits. Uh, and the Ohog... I'm going to mispronounce this. Just prepare yourself. 
Ohaguro Batari. And that literally translates to nothing but blackened teeth. And this is a spirit of a woman in bridal clothes who hides her face. It's caked in makeup and perfectly smooth except for her mouth, which is like a gash filled with blackened teeth. Where we get our cover. All right. Yep. (laughs) That sounds oddly familiar. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) So um, they all arrive. Night falls. And the fractures in the friendship start to become a little bit more apparent. And Kat is having some creepy visions. She's seeing things in some uh, some mirrors. She's hearing things. And um, then they all decide to make some very bad decisions. And not everyone makes it out. Mm-hmm. And it's a novella. So it's something, it's like a hundred, between 150 to 200 pages, I would say, in that, that neighborhood. It's a good range. Yeah. So you can read it relatively quickly. If you have the um, the bravery, if you have the courage to make it through. <laughs> I'm curious about what the uh, registry for a wedding like that looks like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can Holy tell you water. what they brought with I mean... them was um, she brought her wedding dress, which she ends up putting on and a veil. And then there's a rather horrifying sequence that follows that. They brought food and they brought booze because what better thing to do than drink in your um, haunted yeah haunted manor be wasted in a haunted house yeah (laughs) that's yeah i read this book a little while ago called yokai attack Mm -hmm. and it was basically a cataloging of a bunch of japanese spirits and stuff yeah there's some interesting stuff in there some of it was very scary and some of them looked horrifying but really weren't that bad yeah it was it was odd it was just it was an odd cross-cultural experience to see like what their bigfoot is mm-hmm. or you're there whatever you know well and after i read this i looked up ohaguro batari um which is i knew was like this bride character but i was curious if she was an actual yokai from you know japanese culture and it turns out that yeah she absolutely is but apparently she in in the mythology of like yokai she doesn't actually hurt people generally mm-hmm. she just scares them and so there is a theory that she is the tanuki in disguise, just trying to give people a real fright and then laugh at them. Yeah, there's a, there was a lot about tanuki in there because it's quite a character. Yeah. Just as a note, if you're listening to this at work, um, there's an aspect <laughs> of tanuki say. that is um, not safe for work. That is true. So just Google that at home. Right. Not with the kids. It's not like, you know, horribly graphic, but they're... Yeah. There's a major departure in the Mario version of the Tanuki. There's a major omission. Yes. In what that is. And also, I guess that must have been a joke in Japan that didn't translate to the States, right? Because I guess having him be Tanuki is odd. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> just, just as a little warning, just so yeah. your boss doesn't come across you Googling this. And then some of the images that come up will be like. Yeah. A little, little, what? It's an identifying feature of the Tanuki. So if you're looking at pictures of Tanuki, you will see what we are talking about. And you don't want your boss to see it with you. However, if this has intrigued you, I strongly encourage you to look up the Tanuki because it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> I think there's actually a website that's something like yokai.com or something. Yeah. And it's just a, lo- a huge dictionary of um, different yokai and pictures and like general descriptions of what they're known for. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's yeah. pretty fun. 
Yeah. I have to say, it's interesting to see how other cultures view the spirit world. Yeah. And, you know, this is the culture that gave us some of our best horror. So yeah. they know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, some of that stuff's pretty amazing. Yeah. There's the, uh, there's a manga guy, Koji Suzuki, I think, who's done like Spiral and I've a read couple Spiral. other. <laughs> the illustrations in it are like un- unbelievably horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically people wind themselves into spirals. Yeah, it's like they open a a barrel and there's a guy who's, if you imagine like a a coiled snake, but it's still a human body. Yeah. So the contortions, it's... Not good. It's horrifying, but it's also awesome. (laughs) (laughs) If we're we're talking about horror, it's what you watch. Yes, it is awesome. For this month, it's awesome. Well, that sounds pretty great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And again, check out that cover because it's a it's a masterpiece yeah. for horror. It is. Yeah, I, I didn't successfully ruin it, so. Still scary. Still kind of scary. <laughs> All right. Do you need a re- reminder? I don't. I took notes as well, oh. but I am having difficulties picking. Um. I think I'm going to pick Paperbacks from Hell, even though I'm kind of familiar with it and have flipped through it, just because I find it to be a really cool book. It's pretty excellent. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, it's kind of a... Think about it as like a catalog of 70s and 80s horror paperbacks. Um, So Grady Hendrix is an author himself. He's probably most famous for uh, My Best Friend's Exorcism, maybe. He has a, a new one store. out, the, the Southern Vampires, or the Southern Ladies, Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Yes. Sorry. And I think that that's currently what people are talking about when they talk about Grady Hendrix. And then he also has, a, I think, an even newer, the Final Girl Support Group. Oh, that's true. That did just get released. So he, he does these books that are kind of like playing around with horror yeah. He did an Ikea catalog horror called Horror Store Yeah, with umlauts. Yep. H-O-R-R-S-T-O-R, I think. H-O-R-R-O-R-S-T-O-R. Yes. Okay. And it's like laid out like an Ikea catalog, kind of. Right. And then, you know. it. And it's about like basically a a haunted Ikea. Yeah. So he does like, I would call them fun horror. Yeah. They also kind of like. He doesn't pull any punches though. They are legitimately scary. They are. And he. He's really good at taking a something we've seen before in horror, but right. taking a little bit of a twist on it. Right. So Paperbacks from Hell And was, he's the one who put together Paperbacks from yes, Hell. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's how we got started. This is kind of his like labor of love, right. I think. Um he before he was more famous as an author, he was uh, a blogger mm-hmm. and he did reviews of he did like a complete Stephen King read through. And did some pretty excellent reviews of some of his books. And then he read a lot of odd paperbacks from the 70s and 80s. You know, and I think in the book he describes one of the first ones. I think it's called The Little People or something. Mm -hmm. And it's about, like, uh, basically Nazi gnomes of some kind. (laughs) You know, and it's just... Naturally. Yeah, and as you flip through this book, you just see how in the 70s and 80s, it was kind of like anything goes, any bizarre concept. One of my favorite, and it shows the covers, a lot of them, because the covers are kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're really bizarre, but they're like really well done, a lot of the art. 
But, you know, one of the ones I remember the most is it, I think it's called Crabs, and it's just about killer crabs, and it's a crab holding a knife. <laughs> <laughs> I think Uh-oh. there's a TikTok of that. <laughs> it's, yeah, there was, there was. There was a crab walking around with a knife, and I was like, uh, reality mirrors art. Yeah. Like, but, uh, he basically goes through different eras and different sort of subgenres, you know, like this is, uh, you know, people turning into wolves. This is like haunted house stuff. This is uh, just out there weirdness. Yeah. Um, animals attack. Animals attacking. Yeah. I think one of my favorites, which I did end up reading after reading about it in uh, paperbacks from hell, was one called Toy Cemetery which is about like a weird haunted doll factory. And it is one of the strangest things I've ever read. It like, it involves weird time travel that a guy solves by shooting a clock with a gun. Sure. (laughs) There are like living dolls and some of them are evil and some of them are good. So there's like a massive doll battle that happens. And I'm not really sure why the good ones are good and the bad ones are bad. There's, like, human mannequin people. It's bonkers. All right. Have you ever been able to resist a haunted doll anything? uh, I don't know. Probably not. (laughs) I've seen way more Chucky movies than I should have because of that. Anyway, I think what's really great about it is, like, anyone can go through this. If you're even mildly interested in this kind of thing, you can probably go through it and find a handful of titles that you're, like, you know what? I'm gonna line up for that ride. I'm getting. I'm going for it. I'll buy a ticket to that. I think so. And then, um, it's also nice too, though, because you can kind of get some of the joy of just how strange all this yeah. publication was without actually having to read the entire book. Right. He does a good job of summarizing it and picking out the really strange stuff that is just super pleasing to hear about. Um, but Do you it, think it maybe saves you people the work. who are not who don't deal well with horror, yes. this might be an option to get some of the spooks without the the nightmares. Definitely, because if if you're sort of interested in it, but from yeah, you don't like to be creeped out or weirded out. I didn't I didn't find this book to be scary at all. Like I I wouldn't say this is one that you know stuck with me in that horror way. Right. It's not like an atmospheric thing. Where there's like this build and it's terrifying right. and then you're like, oh, this is reflected in real life. You know, it's <laughs> it's very tongue in cheek. Right. It's like uh, it's less scary than like a Shaun of the Dead. It's like imagine the first half hour of a Shaun of the Dead. Excise the ending where it turns into like a zombie movie. And uh, that's a little bit closer to how this feels, I think. Okay. Um, I just also think it's kind of a wonderful... Thing that he's done as far as I think this is kind of a forgotten corner of literature um, and of books and you know you remember if you flip through it if you grew up in those eras you'll see things that you're like I kind of remember seeing that on the rack at the grocery store yeah and I think that it's kind of nice that someone has gone through and like cataloged this and talk kind of connects it to modern stuff a yeah. little bit and saved it from you know oblivion a little yeah. bit yeah, because this is a thing that I think most people would look at as just like, I th- including the publishers, as like, I mean, this is garbage. 
disposable. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, like comics in the early days yeah. were like this. You know, comics weren't worth a lot of money. They weren't worth any money. And they were considered disposable things. And now people are much more into that history and all that. And I think these horror paperbacks probably are still not considered by most to be yeah. like important history. But um, I just think it's nice that that's out there. Yeah. And that that's available and you can kind of see what well, people's interests were. It was a were. large segment of publishing for a while. So, I mean, that does say something about us as a culture, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it also says something because it's like whenever you're looking at a culture and you look at the sort of lurid side of the yeah. culture, I think that can sometimes be more telling yeah. than, you know, what you see in other things. But and it's it's also, I think, a read that's just really joyful. Yeah. Like you'll get you will get laughs out of it. He's really good at writing about these books and not being terribly disrespectful. Right. But also you will laugh. You know, it's right. like if you like a affection poking affectionate fun. Yeah. Yeah, like sometimes when you see like a mystery science theater yeah. and it's like disdainful, it's not as fun. But when you can tell it's like I think they kind of like this movie yeah. in a weird way, but or they're ha they're at least having a good time. Yeah, and they're acknowledging that it's very silly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's not just about like, eh, the writing's not very good or whatever. It's right. it's about some of the genuinely bizarre choices that of things, and you know, it's fun to imagine a a publication situation where it seems like there was probably a publishers where it's like one guy smoking a cigar in a basement, and he's just like, "All right, William Johnstone, what do you got for me today?" <laughs> and then he's like, "Haunted dolls." They take over a town, and he's like, do it. All right, give it to me by next Wednesday. <laughs> and William Johnstone goes off, doesn't sleep for four days, <laughs> brings back his 800th novel. <laughs> they put it out and forget all about and it. And history was not made. No, no. But for me personally, uh, a couple afternoons were really made. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Paperbacks from Hell. I highly recommend yeah. Um, even if you don't, you don't have to read it cover to cover too. You can just flip through and stop at what interests you. So that's kind of a nice. Even feature. just flipping through and looking at the art, I think, is worth it. It's pretty amazing, and something will hook you in. Yeah. You'll see a crab holding a knife and be like, "I gotta know what this is," <laughs> or a cover of like you know, Deadly Slugs or something. Yeah. And be like, I gotta know what they're talking about. Yeah. Good stuff. There we go. All right. Well, that's all, all of our books. Do you want to go back through yours and then sure. briefly talk about the ones you didn't yeah. get to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my four titles were Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw, and that's K-H-A-W, Kaw. And the, my second book was The Death of Jane Lawrence by Caitlin Starling. This is, um, so it reads very much like Britain, but it's an alternate Britain where um, there was a horrible World War One, you know, thing, and it it kind of changed their culture. And Jane Shoringfield was orphaned, and she decides that she, to get security for her life, she's going to find kind of a steady man who has a job and offer to marry him for just like a marriage of convenience and be his like help with his business. And so she approaches the local doctor and he says, 
yeah, we have a deal, but you can't ever go to my family house, um, Lindridge Hall, and you'll you'll live in the like in the surgery in town. And she says, okay. And then of course, on their wedding day, they get taken by like the town is having a celebration, and they escort them to Lindridge Hall under the assumption that that's where they're going. Oh, good and Lord. so she's there, and then there's a horrible storm, and she gets stuck there. And uh, he becomes an entirely different person. He seems very kind of scared and hunted, and something creepy's going on with house. All right. Also, just as a fun detail, the wedding ring that he gives her is made out of one of his the bones of one of his patients nope. who was ossifying. Big nope. <laughs> yeah. So if you look at the cover, you can see that she has this jewelry made out of like bone and it's real creepy i'm trying to imagine uh proposing to my partner with a ring made out of human remains yeah and how that would go over well and so the the patient actually (laughs) asked him i guess to make it into jewelry and he but he gave it to her like it was a selling point like look how cool this is and i was just like man that's a red flag (laughs) you know what it takes a certain person it's uh from this other book where they get Married in the haunted house. Uh huh. That lady probably would take the bone ring. Oh, she a hundred percent. She would, would take be the into that. Ring. But I don't think that's something you just spring on your. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm honestly a little surprised that that good old Jane was like, "Sure, I'll wear this bone ring out of your one of your dead patient's bones." I think I would do it, but it would be real weird. <laughs> I, mean, I would not do it. But I'm just going about my day-to-day tasks, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's somebody's femur. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't do it. I guess it depends on how much of a convenience this marriage of convenience was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it allowed her to continue to live independently in the manner to which she'd become accustomed, I guess. Mm. And without being beholden to this family that had kind of adopted her when her parents died you know what luckily i have low enough standards of living that i don't think i'll have to marry someone who gives me a bone (laughs) good lord Uh, all right (laughs) so yeah good and creepy it has like good gothic you know there's something in the shadows kind of vibes then uh my third book is basketful of heads by joe hill it's illustrated by leo max I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's literally all one word. I think so. Yeah, okay. And uh, it's set in the 80s, and the main character, June, shows up on this in this island community because her boyfriend was working there over the summer, and it's now the end of summer, and they're going to have dinner with his boss, but there were there are some escaped convicts. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep, escaped convicts, and she ends up defending herself with a Viking axe relic that is in the house that of the boss. And it turns out that this axe relic has the ability, if you decapitate someone, their head continues to live. <laughs> so she ends up walking around with a basket full of heads and they can talk, basically. Lovely. Yeah. And so if you, I would say if you're an Evil Dead fan, that's the vibe 100%. to consider here. You're going to get, like, there's some gross-out stuff, some real creepy weirdness, but in a kind of a campy way. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I, th- I think you'd like That's it. a winner. <laughs> <laughs> and then my final book, which we discussed, is In That Endlessness, Our End by Gemma Files. And that's the book of short stories that I'm finding 
I think it's it's probably my creepiest selection. Okay. Yeah, it sounded pretty uh, out there. Yeah. It's it's good and atmospheric. I always, whenever I read something like that, those are the kind of books that make me think about like that person's mom. Yeah. And they're reading it, and like if her mom is just you know. What did I do average? To you? Yeah, just like. Did I not love where you enough? Where does this come from? Like, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, I had Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. That's about the October Boy sort of slasher. Mm-hmm. Um, the town is fighting. Uh, paperbacks from Hell. That's the one we just talked about. Um, I had The Book of Extraordinary Deaths by Cecilia Ruiz. This was a tempting one. Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's a super quick read. The kind of thing that's in it, my favorite, one of my favorites. Two guys decide to have a duel. But they decide that a normal duel is not, you know, good enough. So they decide to have a hot air balloon duel. <laughs> so they both have to construct a hot air balloon so that they, they had have... to construct a hot yes, air balloon? Two. Because they <laughs> each needed one. Talk about bad decisions. <laughs> and they also needed uh they needed them to be identical so that no one had an advantage. Okay. They also had to have a second, because you know you traditionally have a second right. who is in the duel, who also had to go in the balloon. And the plan was they would both get in their balloons and then shoot at each other's balloons, not at each other, because that would be uncouth. That's ridiculous, Peter. Yep. And so, uh, (laughs) shockingly, not everyone survives this duel. Huh. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, well... I am shocked that not one, but four people were convinced to follow through with this plan. You know, I kind of get the, like people having a duel i kind of get the being a second in a duel i mean not really but i could see how it happens because it's like well i guess if you're just super angry and uh whatever but i'm like in the course of constructing a hot air balloon right i'd probably be able to get over a lot yeah or would probably just be like i'm just gonna shoot this guy (laughs) like (laughs) i mean eventually wouldn't you be like the more i'm putting together this hot air balloon the less I'm convinced that this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, it's a weird segment of people who, you know, people A would be like, I'm just going to shoot this guy now. Group B is like, you know what? Forgive and forget. Like, this isn't worth this much effort. And now that I've had time to consider. Yeah. But then there's group C right in the middle. Or group Double whatever. down. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> But the so second were they, is like, even more confusing. Tethered to the ground and like thirty feet in the air, or were they like no? They were super the sand high up in the air. Okay. I mean, I could just tell you they're very short. So the death results in somebody does hit the other guy's balloon, and they crash to their deaths. They also crash into the roof of a house. Oh, so a, they potentially killed other people. A barn or something. I don't think anyone else died. They coulda. But I would be pretty upset. Yeah. I'd be like, you're telling me you four goons decided you had to have this duel. And then you just floated around and you destroyed my house yeah. for no reason. Best case scenario, you have a lot of blood stains and viscera to, to spray off your roof. Uh, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Well, then also, I might just be like, all right, well, now I have to duel the survivor. I'm kind of upset about what you guys did here. Yeah. And the last one was called Bad Man yeah. by Dathan Auerbach. Um, so he interestingly came to fame... He had a book called Pen Pal, and that was collections of what we call creepypasta oh, okay. from Reddit. So he was a famous author of 
weird sort of modern urban legends, I would Slender call Slender Man. Slender Man's the most famous creepypasta for sure. The Rake. The Rake. Um, I think also there's the story about uh, Elisa Lamb who died in the hotel and they talk about her playing the most dangerous game on the elevator that like if you go to a certain floors in a certain sequence you can like go to another dimension i had never heard of this theory i'm familiar with elisa lamb they did that documentary about that hotel yeah this is like the sort of a uh, creepypasta explanation of what happened to her all right uh, so anyway, he wrote one called Pen Pal that was kind of a collection of these, and then Bad Man is his follow-up, which is like more of a traditional novel. Okay. Um, it basically follows this kid named Ben, who's now in his late teens, um, but when he was probably about 12, he was at the grocery store with his much younger brother, and through a sort of... It was difficult for him to take care of his younger brother and do the shopping, and he was trying to handle everything. And in the course of these events, his brother went missing. And so they suspect he was kidnapped, but no one really knows what happened to him. And this happened, you know, five or six years previous to most of the events of the story. So the story picks up when Ben's a little bit of an older teenager. He seems to be the only one who's still invested in trying to find his brother. Um... And he actually gets a job at the grocery store where his brother disappeared. Mm. And so then he starts kind of uncovering weird, creepy things happening at the store and sort of inexplicable things like uh, he's an overnight stalker there. So he's there at night. There's no one else there. And the phones just start ringing. Mm. Yeah, just weird things like that happen. So it's got this really uh, creepy atmosphere that's my jam. And he's seems... singing my song. Yeah, and then every time it seems like he's getting closer to the answer, he gets the rug pulled out from under him, and um, his parents are not handling it well, so he's kind of dealing with that too. And then uh, I think the biggest thing about it, it's a very slow burn. Okay. So you got to have some patience for it, and like I think the people who don't like it tend to not like it because they just feel like it's too slow. Okay. Um. So if that's your thing, whatever, but if you're kind of used to the more slow build yeah. to the horror and not... The boiling a frog approach. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of, like, a guy runs out with a razor and kills someone and then <laughs> runs away and you're like, oh, no. Um, it's more like just creepy. It gets creepier and creepier and a little bit more mysterious as the mystery is explored. Yeah. Um, so if you like that kind of aspect, pretty good one. Cool. Highly Like I said, it's on my reading list, so. It's a good one. One of these days, my, my reading list is overwhelming. Yeah. But it's on there. I, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I keep, I tried to do the math one time of my, like, want to read list on Goodreads. No, and like, would I, I be to... able, if I just read my entire life. No, I don't want to talk about this. It's too depressing. <laughs> Don't tell me what you found out. I don't want to know. That's going to be your ghost story. Yeah. Megan's and then ghost she died haunts and good she only read and... half of her reading list. But mysteriously, things keep vanishing and appearing on her to read list. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Uh, she woke up and it was 10,000 bucks. Yeah. She was buried in a pile of her own books. That, that, is, that could legitimately happen. You know, if you died that way, I would be sad. 
But I would be like, she died the way she lived. It's I mean, true. That would be the ultimate. Live by the sword, die by the sword. It would be rough because I'd be like, I'm sad about this. I knew this person and cared about this person. But when I saw the headlines of like librarian crushed by own books, I'd be like, that's not unfair. <laughs> yeah. That's like, you know what? If I had to, if I had to guess how she'd go out, that'd it's, be up there. It's just too juicy of a headline yeah. to like resist. <laughs> I'd make an impact. <laughs> if someone was feeling particularly dark that day, that'd be a great advertisement for like a Kindle. Mm, yeah. You just you have someone lay down, you drop it on them, and they're fine, and you're like, eh? <laughs> See? We're saving lives out here. But I don't think they'd go there. I don't think so either. I don't think they're that dark. Yeah. It's a little grim. It's pretty <laughs> pretty harsh. <laughs> Not everyone's like us, Peter. <laughs> I know. I'd be like, ooh, I see what you did there. I kind of hate it, but undeniable yeah. A+. plus. Yeah. You it, understood the assignment. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> And on that note... Yeah, happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween, happy everybody. sweater weather. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you have a good costume. Yeah. I will. I will have a costume on, even though no trick-or-treaters come to our house. Yeah, mine either. It's kind of a bummer. But I'll I'll watch the scary movies, nonetheless. Yeah, me too. Yep. And I bought myself a new face mask with bats on it. I have a couple new ones, too. One's yeah. got a gremlin on it, and one's a... Uh... Like a gremlin movie, a movie gremlin? The Greeley gremlin. Oh, from, okay. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, one's got like a scary pumpkin face on it. Nice. That's pretty horrifying and I'm not really sure how to wear it when, <laughs> but whatever. You don't want to wear that to a library event and really give some kids some nightmares? I sort of do, but <laughs> well, I don't know if I want to give kids nightmares. Yeah, that's pretty mean. But you know, I don't know. They could probably handle it. I mean, I was enjoying horror movies at 12. Yeah. And I turned out relatively normal. The middle. Well, you know what? Someone has to grow up and write in that endlessness our end. Yes. And I don't know if that happens if you don't get a little bit of a scare now and then. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone wants to be the next Gemma Files. Let us know. We'll take care of it. That's that's what I'm I'm doing my part to create the next. That's right. <laughs> hey, they could be the next Stephen King. Yeah. You Who never doesn't know. want to be Stephen King? Nobody. I long debated putting The Long Walk on my list because I think that's my favorite, Stephen King. And uh, He's an underrated writer, I, I honestly believe, which is weird to say about someone who's sold millions and millions and millions of copies. I totally agree. I don't yeah. think I read anything he wrote until I was 30, and it's like until I was 30. It's one of my bigger life regrets. Yeah. Because I was like, I like this, and I think I really would have liked it when I was like 17. Yeah. He's a better writer, I think, than people give him. I think people are like, he just writes these kinds of generically scary books. But I think he actually is a good writer. I mean, if you read a Stephen King, the worst Stephen King book, and then you read Toy Cemetery, <laughs> that's then you're like, oh, I see. It all comes clear. This is pretty different. <laughs> yeah, no, I bought into that sort of idea, I think, that it was like, well, he's, you know, the grocery store paperback rack. Just, you know, nonsense, whatever. Yeah. There's nothing to this. And then you read them, and somehow he even makes the story of a haunted car Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. You're like, yeah, this is totally... And The Stand, I loved The Stand. The Shining, I still have nightmares if I if I think too clearly about reading that book. Yeah. It's the book, to be clear. This is not the, the Kubrick movie. Yeah. The book is the scariest thing I perhaps have ever read. It's pretty amazing. 
Yeah. He's a pretty amazing writer. Yeah. So I guess totally unneeded, but still. Yeah. He's he's wholehearted endorsement for a reason. Yeah. And yeah, the long walk was my favorite. That was the first one I read, and it's still my favorite. It's horrifying. It gets to the action right away. You always remember your first. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. It was good to be here. Bye-bye.